Hello and welcome to Bird Barrier Live Training. My name is Michael Gallion and we're going to kick things off with the introduction to bird control. Where we start in the introduction to bird control is a example that we're going to use because we have a lot of people in the world of pest control involved. So we're going to start here with an actual device that's used for pest control. This roach control device is the type of device that somebody new to pest control might encounter. They're given this device and they're told to put a bait in there and they're going to use this to solve a roach problem. But I want you to imagine that a newcomer to the world of roach control used this device in the improper way. They didn't really uh, get proper training on it. And instead of it solving the problem, there are actual more roaches being produced from this very device. Imagine that roaches were nesting in this device, laying eggs and reproducing at a higher rate. This is the exact opposite of what we want to achieve. Here's another example. Imagine that you were setting traps, these type of snap traps, and then a few weeks later you go back and there are actual rodents that are building nest in the device. and They're actually reproducing from the device that you are using to solve the problem. Now the reason we start there is we take a look at the most common device that you're going to be given in the world of bird control, especially those that are not trained in the world of bird control. The default is to go to a bird control bird spike, just like we see here in this image. This device is used all the time in bird control and it is an important device, but the problem is that the very thing that I just described is a possibility for birds. The birds are very persistent. And if you place this device in an area where they've been nesting, they will actually build a nest right in the very device. They'll lay eggs and be reproducing from the very device that you're trying to use to solve the problem. So welcome to the world of bird control. This is uh, one of the most common failures in all of bird control is to use uh, like a medium pressure deterrent that we see with bird spike and use it in a high pressure nesting situation. The reason this happens is what we call imprinting. The birds, once they have marked a spot and chosen it to nest from, and once they have used it effectively and had a successful uh, offspring that come from this area. They are very fixated. As we see here, we'll refer to this throughout a lot of our training. Uh, pigeon with a pair of eggs is a very common sight in the world of bird control. And this area with the orange pad represents the sort of uh, border area that they become fixated on. And that's from imprinting. The spike is used to prevent roosting activity only, not preventing nesting. So it's not an anti-nesting device. Any type of anti-nesting device is going to be a high pressure deterrent. A spike is a medium pressure deterrent. So three keys to bird work involve a few things that most people aren't aware of when they first get started. The first thing is that you have to be kind to the bird. This is very important to most of your customers. Even though the birds that we're going to show you here in Introduction to Bird Control are not protected species, like the pigeon, for example, you have 
the legal permission to actually remove the nest and eggs, but the customer perception of this is that they don't want to see that sort of harm, especially to the offspring of the birds. So we don't harm birds themselves. What we do is we get them to relocate. The second thing is that failures are very common. So if you've been trying to do some bird control projects and had failures, don't worry. Without training, these are very common failures, all right? Now, the, the failures that we see are from things like, number one, the temporary deterrent or very low pressure deterrent expected to do the work of a high pressure deterrent. So those become temporary. Uh, you might see one week worth of efficacy and then the birds just come right back. Another mistake is to use incorrect materials. Incorrect materials often fail because birds have the ability to go around those devices, but more importantly, incorrect materials could introduce damage to the equipment that you're using it on. And number three is just the, either the improper device or using it improperly, as we see at the bottom of this HVAC unit, spikes turned upside down, trying to use them as some sort of fence barrier, which is not what they're designed for at all. And then the third thing, the most important part of this that you're going to get out of this first session is understanding bird pressure, because you've heard me already mention pressure Bird pressure, well, that's a very specific thing. You have to understand bird pressure. When you first get started with your customer, the most important question you need to ask your customer is why they need the problem solved. When we make assumptions in the world of pest control and we often incorporate you know, other customers' reasons into a situation or even our own uh, assumptions into why they need it solved. But the most important thing is to ask them and listen very carefully because there are a lot of different reasons why people will want it solved and you need to stay focused on their reasons. The top 10 reasons in order start with image. You know, we are geared in the world of pest control to focus on health, safety, sanitation. Well, unfortunately, all of those play into bird control but are never really considered or rarely considered that is unless you get into food production. But the number one problem is just the way that the birds look on a property. They bring a lot of uh, bird droppings and, and a lot of ugly debris into the site. And it really wears on the brand and the, the image uh, that the company projects. Therefore, number two, cost of cleanup. So with the image being the problem, they're constantly cleaning up the problem, spending money on cleanup and the cost of that cleanup will trigger the need to finally solve it once and for all. Then we get into all these secondary issues that really only account for about 20% of all the bird control work that's done. It's work stoppages, slip and fall, damages, secondary infestations, and other things that we see here on this list. Here are a few images that we're gonna show you that show the different problems where the birds are starting to take hold of the uh, property. This is where you start seeing pairs of birds. Those are mating pairs that are probably nesting and then you see unusual levels of droppings. Like we see here, a uh, few droppings is normal, a, a gathering of droppings where it's concentrated in one spot and uh, like a slip and fall situation 
This is unnatural behavior, and this is where the birds are starting to demonstrate high pressure activity. Then we see actual equipment that starts to shut down. It doesn't work properly. It's so clogged with droppings because the birds have been nesting. Now, not to downplay the health risk. Health is a big part of the uh, situation. So we see this next slide here for health risk. You know, there are, there are uh, microbes that you have to be very careful of. Most of the health risk in bird control really relate to the people doing the cleanup work and the install, not really the customer. That Even though the customers are exposed to the dangers that weaken the immune system, health risks do come into play, but it's something that really doesn't relate to the customer side of things as much as most people think. Let's talk about the actual pest birds. Now, in the world of bird control, there are a lot of different birds. There are many different birds that will present problems. But in particular, most of the work is going to come from, first of all, the pigeon. So the most common bird that you're going to deal with is pigeons. Uh, pigeons are the same all over. You know, they're non-native species to the North America. Therefore, they're not protected. The main thing that you want to keep in mind with pigeons is that they'll reproduce up to 12 more birds per year from each mating pair. Therefore, we can see numbers turn and really become exponentially greater over time. And it only takes a couple seasons before we start to see that. Now, the next bird is the starling. The starling is another common pest bird. Most importantly, it is non-native species. It's not protected. Okay. And then the third bird are sparrows. Even though sparrows, 21 more birds per year can be reproduced from a mating pair. The way that they get into cavities causes the droppings to be less of a problem as compared to other birds. The real problem with sparrows has more to do with warehouses and food production. And these three birds can have their eggs, nest, and everything removed without any fear of getting any kind of penalty or fines for harming the birds even though, as I mentioned when we first started, we really don't want to harm these birds, especially for the perception of business success in the world of bird control. Another example of a common pest bird is a gull. These tend to gather on rooftops and they create quite a mess. They live a long time. They don't reproduce it at such a high rate. But this and all the other birds besides those first three that I mentioned you cannot remove eggs. You cannot remove the nest. You have to protect these birds and their ability to reproduce cannot be interfered with. Now we can remove the nest of most of the birds that are causing a problem once the nest becomes dormant and it's not in an active phase. Let's talk about bird pressure though. This is going to be really important to those of you becoming certified if there's any term that you're going to use that stands out above any other term, it's going to be bird pressure. And when you, when you describe pressure, you're describing to your customers so, so that they fully understand the, the biology and the, and the situation in a scientific term. Bird pressure is basically what commitment level are the birds demonstrating and why they're demonstrating that pressure. Food and water, the most common cause of high pressure situations. 
not just the food. People overlook water pooling on the top of a roof up high, condensation for HVAC units. This is really important. You have to factor in food and water equally. They can both be a high pressure draw on a structure. Then once the birds have been uh, coming to a common place where they are getting a good source of food and water, they look for nesting features, cavities, openings that are slightly larger than their body size so that other predators cannot get in there. Now, number one and number two are the most uh, typical problem that you're going to face and need to address in the world of bird control. Now, the other two factors below here, we see alternate sites and then generation. What we mean by the alternative sites is when we exclude a bird from a property and try to get them to relocate, if there are not easy access areas around that property for them to move to, uh, you're going to have higher pressure for them to reclaim their existing spot. And then the same thing with generations. When, when birds have reproduced for years at the same spot, all of their offspring and the future offspring are all taught to live off the same features that are there at that structure. Therefore, they're not going to want to really go anywhere else and therefore the pressure to reclaim whatever you do to try to get them to relocate, that is going to factor into pressure. So it's not that complicated. High pressure as what I mentioned earlier, overhead protection. If there's overhead protection, then they're kept out of the elements like rain, snow, all of the normal uh, features of nature that make it uh, difficult for them to survive out in an urban setting. Once they have this overhead protection, the site becomes imprinted, they reproduce, they'll use this area for sheltering and nesting. These are the most critical areas. Now, the medium pressure we see in this photo is an example of an area where a customer might think this is the worst area of the property, but it's actually a perception issue. This site, even though there are a lot of birds, it's not nesting uh, as far as no overhead protection, therefore it's not a nesting site. There may be food and water nearby, and this is a good, you know, uh, uh, decent amount of pressure, but there's a very distinct difference between high pressure and medium pressure. This medium pressure site doesn't have the same imprint of reclaiming that the birds will demonstrate. Therefore, if we put bird spikes along this top edge here, a medium pressure deterrent will work just fine. And the birds will just move somewhere else to gain access to the food and water and whatever is the draw of that particular site. When you are evaluating your site and you're going to offer a solution, there's a checklist that you should keep in mind especially if you're going to rely on our company to help you solve the problem. So by going through this checklist and uh, feel free to do a screen capture of this. Uh, if you're on your laptop, you know, do, do a recording of this particular slide. If you're on your phone, do a photo of the slide itself and keep this with you because if you give us this checklist, we're going to be able to solve and help you come up with solutions for the particular project that you're dealing with. Now, of course, pressure level means we want to know, are they nesting? And where are they nesting? And therefore, what kind of bird is doing the, the damage at this property? 
get good photos, proper photos, and we'll talk about that next in the next slide, but measurements of the area and any other special requests. Like we look at this photo of the current slide and that was a, a special historic building and they did not allow drilling into the surface. That's the sort of special request we would need to know about. Now let's talk about the photos again. If I see only one photo from a site, it could be the one that we see here in the background of all the droppings on the ground. This is much more helpful than just a distant photo of a building where I can't really see up close what the activity is. So up close photos of the damages, the droppings, especially their nesting site above as well. Um, in further modules that you'll see in part of our training, we'll talk about ways that we can uh, offer for you to get really good photos and know how to do a proper documentation of a site. Medium and wide photos are needed. Measurements are needed. Inspect the roof also. Don't just disregard the roof if you think you've located all the nesting on a property. You have to make sure that there's not nesting going on in other places, especially the roof, because if we solve the lower nesting, we're still going to see a lot of activity. And in the customer's mind, you haven't really solved the problem. You don't really solve the core problem until you eliminate all the nesting, high pressure and then medium pressure areas off of a building. The last thing we'll ask for as part of our ability to help you solve the problem is the Google address. Of course, we can look at satellite images and it makes our job a lot easier. Now we can talk about deterrence because having understood the pressure situation, a high pressure where there's nesting activity and reclaiming activity, then we have medium pressure activity that usually is related to nesting, but not always. The bottom line is you have to match each pressure of any given part of the building with the proper pressure deterrent. Each deterrent has a pressure rating. Bird spikes, I've already mentioned this, medium pressure. If they were high pressure, birds would not nest in them. This is a very common problem. That's why we started with this most common problem. You can use these in bird control and should use them. They're very effective. Wherever there's a lot of activity on ledges and the ledges don't really offer any real serious aesthetic contribution to that building, you can use spikes. Another device is bird coil. This is a more efficient way to do larger coverage of a medium pressure area. The same basic concept comes into play for the birds. Some people perceive that this is a more friendly way of approaching the solution, even though neither spikes nor bird coil are going to harm the birds. It's all about different devices that can be used, but ultimately both of these that I just showed you are medium pressure deterrents. Another deterrent that's very common in bird control is bird wire. By stretching wires at the right tension across a surface, not only is it very effective, but it becomes disguised in the building and very hard to see. Much more useful when aesthetics come into play, much more useful when a long-term solution is needed for ledges of buildings. Birdwire is a medium pressure deterrent, just like daddy longlegs. All these things that I've shown you so far are great to get birds off of surfaces where their droppings are falling and you just want to keep the bird from landing and getting on a surface. Daddy longlegs, medium pressure deterrent. 
Flex track is the first of the high pressure deterrents that we're going to talk about. Flex track is a very simple solution. You, we see the track, there are two exposed braided wires. If the bird steps on this, they get a, a very memorable shock. It doesn't harm them. The shock that's produced is approved by the Humane Society. The birds will abandon this sort of uh, ledge because of the discomfort that comes from that experience and the rest of the flock will follow. So this is a very powerful, effective solution. It will solve nesting. It'll solve birds from wanting to even go to their nesting, even if you just had this as an intermediate solution going to the nesting areas. But we still need to localize each nesting area and treat that as well. Another high pressure deterrent that is very simple is to use bird slide, where we put a 45 degree angle on a ledge, the bird cannot rebuild the nest. It's just gravity does its job. Also, this deterrent can be painted to match. It's very low profile in terms of aesthetic. This might be the one to use. Also, another high pressure deterrent is just the concept of exclusion, right? To where the bird can no longer get to its nesting area, therefore it is a high pressure solution. By putting a solar uh, kit on a solar panel system like we see here, birds are not able to get underneath the solar panel and continue their nesting that that occurs because of the overhead protection that is so widespread with solar panels. Now, we're back to medium pressure because we're talking about open air areas. What about areas that cannot have a deterrent attached to it, but the general area needs reduction in activity? Well, Eagle Eye is a great solution because uh, the solar powered uh, devices that spin from the sun's energy will then set off bright reflected flashes that interfere with the bird's ability to navigate. And soon after they encounter this in, a, in a, one of their main areas, they no longer will go into that airspace. Now keep in mind, this device is medium pressure. It will not solve nesting, but used in junction with nesting areas that are solved, this is a great solution. And one of the all last ditch efforts when things have gotten so far out of control and you have hundreds of pigeons on a site, usually in an industrial site, you can use oval control, which is a feed that the birds will eat and then the birds basically become sterile. And without the ability to reproduce their numbers, over time, the flock fades and it each year half the flock is not uh, there and then eventually the the flock is solved this way it's not a quick immediate solution obviously but it can reduce liability immediately once you install something like this for an open air situation now we talked about the solar panel exclusion the ultimate exclusion tool in bird control is stealth net using a proper high-grade bird net that's designed to last for many many years we keep birds from getting access to areas. We're not really treating the nesting area. We're not allowing them to get to their nesting areas. And this is a very common form of pest control. Rodent control off, often will involve exclusion, but this particular part of bird control is somewhat involved and therefore we actually have one module that is part of this certification process coming up and that whole uh, module will be dedicated to a proper install of StealthNet. 
Now the next module that we're going to get into after this introduction is optical gel training. Optical gel is a multi-sensory disc. It affects the bird in many ways, but you'll notice it is a high pressure solution. So this can be used not only on high pressure nesting, it can be used on ledges. There are so many uses that this product has absolutely revolutionized the world of bird control. It's been around for nearly a decade. Uh, in the United States though, it's only been around for about five years because all the field testing that we did before we introduced this technology had to be proven and bona fide. And now is a verified great way, especially for those of you who are new to bird control to get started with. So we will be covering that in the next module, the optical gel training. But we're gonna leave you here with the introduction with 10 keys to success in bird control. People don't go hunting for bird control solutions in the traditional way where they want to buy something. Therefore, we don't really sell, we consult. We are like a, almost like a doctor. We're gonna prescribe a solution or multiple solutions to help treat a problem to remove a pain situation. It's not the glamorous world of making this great investment into uh, devices that they really set out to uh, include in their structures. Therefore, the top skill is listening. You have to ask them the question, right, that we started with, why do you need this solved? And once the customer expresses specifically how the birds are creating their problem, you can then stay focused only on what matters. You might think telling them other stories of bird control matter, they don't. They just have their problem and they want their problem to be solved. And that's why it's important when you listen to make sure you're talking to the decision maker. Oftentimes the person in bird control is just an intermediate gathering up information. They're not part of the decision making process and then it gets handed off to someone else who's purely just going to look at numbers to make a decision. It's really important that you make sure you're talking to that decision maker. In our sales class that's part of the training, I'll tell you how to talk to the decision makers. Also, you want to uncover their motivation. Even if they're not the decision maker, do you really get the sense that the customer is ready, willing, and able to put some funds to solve the problem? Sometimes you're being called in just to have somebody pick your brain of strategy and then they're going to try to do things themselves. It's important that you do this so that you're profitable. You're going to get their budget. You're going to at least have a working budget if you can in a discreet way. And again, in the sales class, we teach you more about how to do this. What you're going to do though, number six, is you're going to solve resident birds. When we talked about the imprinting and reclaiming, what we're talking about is birds that have now imprinted and therefore they're a resident of that property. What you're going to solve is only those residents. You're not gonna be able to get rid of any bird that's ever going to, in the future, fly around that property. So making sure the customer has an understanding that you're solving the resident birds is really critical to set proper expectations. Always lead with the sale and with all of the tools that we're going to show you throughout this training, there's no reason that you can't leave with some type of sales, some type of forward progress and agreement that you're going to help them solve the bird problem. And you're going to do this by under-promising and over-performing. A lot of mistakes are made with setting expectations in bird control, and people are often disappointed. Uh, you know, an untrained person comes in, they put spikes everywhere, 
and everybody then is disappointed that the birds didn't leave. Knowing that the customer has this sort of expectation of failure, what you want to do is keep your level of expectations set to real, but then you're going to overperform to the expectations that you set in their mind. And of course, in the world of business, if you are successful, you know number nine already. And that is you treat customers like they're your family, like somebody that you're going to be dealing with for years because you want them uh, to be working with you for the rest of their life, if you can, if you're serious about building your business. Now that just applies to anything to do with sales, especially in the world of pest control. Bird control, pest control, treat customers the way that you would want to be treated. And number 10, ultimately, is that once you become trained and you've completed all of these courses, there's no reason that you won't be one of the many people that go out and succeed in bird control and you'll have plenty of enthusiasm to transfer. Many people will come in and say they have an idea and they're going to try things. That's one of my least favorite approaches when people say, well, we can try this, we can try that. We don't try. In the world of bird control, we do. We solve. And when you have that ability where you know how to solve a situation where birds are nesting and get those birds relocated and never come back, then you become empowered with enthusiasm and you're going to transfer that to your customer. That covers the introduction of bird control, phase one of six modules that we're going to be uh, giving to you as part of your full certification. Again, my name is Michael Gallion, and we will see you at the next module.